This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips with more than 500 courses on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more. The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming or DVD and CD. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only... The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including The Decisive Battles of World History. For this limited time 80% offer, please go to thegreatcourses.com WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com WS. Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Bill Crystal. And Bill, I'll try to focus today, but I keep thinking about the damage Tom Brady is going to unleash on the Seahawks this Sunday. I am super pumped. I am. Well, I'm not really a Patriots fan, naturally, but I, I am now pro-Belichick, or at least I'm anti-anti-Belichick because of all the liberal <laughs> whining about the, the deflated uh, footballs, which turns out to be there's now quite a lot of studies suggesting he didn't do anything, exactly. the weather would do it naturally. And anyway, what's all the, since one of football fans like such scrupulous, rules-abiding, fastidious people that, God forbid, he should take advantage of anything, I think we could use a little more Bill Belichick in our foreign policy and maybe in our Republican leadership, you know, and, and a little less... Uh, a little less hand wringing. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the I'm taking the Patriots. Belichick and Brady, I think, would be uh, pretty formidable. Well, I think what's what you're going to have is you're going to have a, a week where a very good. There are two very good teams, but one very good team has a lot to prove, and I think the Patriots are going to come out and really be focused. But it's funny you mention the squeaky clean versus the hand, you know get your hands dirty and go out there and win kind of mentality. And I think the poster boy of losing politely while not mussing your hair is Mitt Romney, who I su- surprised a lot of people, me included, when he announced today he's not running for president. Yes, Steve Hayes had actually predicted Wednesday that he wouldn't, I think, on, on Fox, on the, the online, you know, sort of after show, after special report. And I, I've always thought he ultimately wouldn't run. I don't think he got a very good reception when he tested the waters. And, um, you know, he has a certain amount of pride and dignity. He doesn't want to run fourth or fifth, obviously, in some primary. So um, I, I think he made the right decision. Well, I think he made the right decision for Mitt Romney, but as usual, the wrong decision for the Republican Party. A guy who couldn't run for re-election in his own state should have known he was going to have challenges. A guy who was the anti-vote magnet. He walked into a room and suddenly voters looked for someone else to vote for. But this was his one time to run, Bill, and do the Republican Party a favor because he would have been the block to Jeb Bush, and the two of them would be in a huge moderate death spiral, and that would have left the field open for the Walkers and Rubios and Rands and uh, Casey and all these other great, young, dynamic, forward-looking candidates. I've got slightly contrarian take, or possible is contrarian take on that, which is, I don't know, it seems to me that if Jeb now becomes the sort of the establishment candidate, which is likely, unless Christie can get some traction, in a funny way, they'll be, I don't know, I think him and Romney both running made it confusing, it deflected some of the criticism. Uh, now it's a pretty clear choice, I think. Uh, a guy whose um, you know, father and brother were president, who was governor of Florida, uh, but left office eight years ago, hasn't been involved in the fight against Obamacare, hasn't been involved in the foreign policy debates of the last six years. The two issues he's really spoken up on, immigration and common core, he hasn't been with where most Republicans are. Uh, against a whole bunch of younger office holders who I think are, are pretty impressive. Now, look, can Jeb make his case? And maybe he'll turn out to be 
more impressive than I think, and, and uh, he is a, was a good governor of Florida 10 years ago. Uh, maybe he does have a forward-looking agenda, and maybe he can convince people to overlook the immigration and common core positions. But I'm, I'm a bit of a Jeb skeptic, and I'm not sure that Mitt getting out helps him that much. It helps him in the short term. He will get more resources. He will be able to outspend everyone else. But I still like the odds of the you know Walker, Rubio, Cruz, Jindal, uh, younger candidates against Jeb Bush. Well, I the, to me the only upside I see is that uh, I think Jeb is going to be less popular than he thinks. I think the press is going to blow him up as inevitable, and in fact, in the ground with actual Republican voters, I think he's unlikely. And so, beating him is going to look like you're big. It's going to make it's it, you know it's like having someone wearing the Notre Dame uniform, but in fact, it's a high school team. And when you beat them, everyone goes, "Wow, you beat Notre Dame." And so I'm hoping that it'll add some, sta- you know, political stature, some voter stature for whatever uh, actual conservative comes out and uh, and wins the nomination. No, I think that well, that could happen. And in the polls so far, at least Romney had a bit of a lead because of name ID, presumably, and a certain kind of residual loyalty and and the wish that he had beaten Obama. Um, but uh, Jeb hasn't really shown much in the polls. Now, again, he might move out a little bit. He'll get, I suppose, a few more of the Romney voters than than other candidates will, but not that many more. I do think he'll get some donors. I mean, there will be a big money advantage, and that matters. On the other hand, in, in this era of super PACs and, and the Internet, for that matter, and uh, that email for your fundraising over the Internet, I'm not sure how much it matters. But I, I think uh, Walker, Rubio, these guys have a real path now. Uh, they need to get going. I, I don't think they can wait as long as maybe they had thought they could wait. And um, they need to show that they you know, can handle all the issues. If you're a governor, you've got to show that you're up to speed on foreign policy and defense. If you're a senator, you've got to convince people you actually could run something. But um, that's, that's really their challenges. Uh, speaking of uh, waiting, it uh, appears that Hillary Clinton may push back her announcement uh, to July. That was the, uh, the, the news this week. And that if there are any more revelations about our Libya policy in Benghazi, she may push her date back to 2017 for her announcement. So let's see, let's you hope would, that continues. You would think, but I, on the other hand, I mean, it's amazing that no one is out there really vigorously challenging her. I mean, it doesn't count to sort of give a speech and let people throw your name around. I mean, you know, why aren't someone, some Democrat needs to get up and say, she's not the right candidate. She's a Wall Street Democrat. She's wrong from their point of view on some of her past foreign policy positions. Um, she ran a crummy campaign in way. We can't let our candidate be, you know, be the voice of yesterday if the Democrats, if the Republicans are likely to nominate a younger governor or senator. I just can't understand why one of these Democrats isn't up. I guess the Clintons just intimidate everyone so much on the Democratic side that they don't do what politicians normally do and see that they have an opportunity. They probably won't beat her, but if you ran second to her this time, even if she didn't pick you for VP, if she lost or if she won for that matter, you'd be, you know, you'd be the most prominent Democratic young governor or senator or whatever your current position was. But it's really stri- striking how timid they are, I think. No, no, I think the voice of vigor and youth from Joe Biden is going to project. Right. I think that's what you're going to see. I understand he's snowboarding this weekend is what I hear. But uh, it's funny, uh, Charles Krauthammer uh, summarized the entire Hillary political movement uh, on uh, Fox this week when he said her reason for her message is Hillaryism. Vote for me yeah. because I'm Hillary, and I'm Hillary, and therefore you're going to vote for me. And it's the perfectly closed circle. What else do you need? And, you know, I don't know. On the one hand, I think she's a weak candidate with a weak message. On the other hand, the first woman president probably counts for something with some voters. 
Um, and I'm a little spooked by the fact that in actual poll matchups, she does pretty well against the Republicans. She runs ahead of them. Some of that's name ID. Polls at this point don't matter that much, you could say. But still, it's not as if people don't know her very well. And they don't. I think Republicans are. The one thing that worries me is I think Republicans are sort of kidding themselves that they're going to find devastating things about Hillary Clinton that are just going to wake the voters up and they'll finally realize what the truth is about her. I think voters have factored in an awful lot of information about her. They have a mixed view of her. They're not enthusiastic. On the other hand, they're not sort of scared of her as president. Um, they don't dislike her the way a lot of some conservatives and Republicans do, which tells me that the Republican candidate's going to have to have a positive message. He's going to have to convince the country that he's the right person to be president. It's not going to be enough to just get a few more. I'm, I'm, I'm all for Benghazi and investigating it. I think it is a disgrace, but I kind of doubt that that's going to be enough to win, to win the presidency. Uh, and yet it's just one more of the uh, bricks in the wall of horrifyingly bad foreign policy, and we've had yet another bad week. And this is one of the gambles that I don't understand why the White House would take it. All this talk trying to downplay the danger of al-Qaeda, and we've defeated the part that matters of al-Qaeda versus the other part, and the Taliban isn't a terrorist organization, and on and on, even as Americans are still being hurt and killed. Just In fact, the day after the lecture on how the Taliban is in a terrorist group, three American contractors were killed by the Taliban. I, know, I do wonder why they, why they think it's their interest to you know hype success and then have facts falsify that. Um, I suppose they got away with it in 2011 and 2012. I think I come back to that a lot thinking about Obama. This is a guy who made a lot of bad decisions. I mean, let Libya just fall apart. He got out of Iraq when all of us warned what would happen there. He announced the drawdown of Afghanistan. But the evidence wasn't quite in in 2012, or if it came in, as in Benghazi, they succeeded in obscuring it. And he got himself reelected. And I think he and his team just think they can keep doing that for four years. I think it's a little crazy. I mean, I just think reality does hit, and I think reality has hit, actually, in, in Iraq and Syria and elsewhere. But they just are deeply committed to you know, look at the Birdall trade for the five uh, the Taliban uh, big shots, one of whom seems to be helping to direct and fundraise for terrorist activities from Qatar. And meanwhile, they just praise Birdall as this uh, man who served with honor, and then it turns out not, of course, what well, we do that. It wasn't the case, and now it's apparently been confirmed that the army at least wants to uh, it seems that the army wants to charge him with desertion. But, you know, I guess Susan Rice just thought, I can make it through this Sunday interview. I can pull the, you know, uh, throw a lot of dust in the air, and I'll never be called to account for what was what is now a hugely embarrassing statement she made on national television. But, of course, she made hugely embarrassing statements about Benghazi, and that didn't seem to set her back either. So uh, where are we in the foreign policy, uh, on the foreign policy path, I should say? Uh, some very disturbing, alarming pieces this week about how Israel perceives itself as more and more alone when it comes to Iran and that the uh, U.S. is determined, uh, excuse me, the Obama administration is determined at all costs to make a deal with Iran that allows them to do what, pretty much what they want uh, 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 when it comes to uh, nukes and nuclear weapons. Where, where do you think we are? We're in bad shape, and I really, my biggest fear now is we have almost two years of an Obama administration left with uh, defense spending getting slashed and total weakness around the world, and, and then attempts to say that things are going fine, which then are immediately falsified, whether it's in the State of the Union, hey, the Russia policy is working out fine, you know, Putin takes another chunk of Ukraine, the, everything's, as you said, good with al-Qaeda, and then it turns out, you know, ISIS is uh, rampaging some more. Um, it's bad. It's bad. I, I just spoke to a bunch of House Republicans 
kind of the little retreat they have, and um, talked to actually a fair amount. They were quite uh, energized on foreign policy and defense. I'd say two years ago, three years ago, a little hard to get these guys worked up on foreign policy. Everyone wanted to focus, as, you know, as they should, on the economy and Obamacare, et cetera. But people do understand that I think the Republican Congress, one of the best things they can do is check some of the damage uh, in foreign policy, try to prevent a terrible Iran deal, try to stabilize at least defense spending, uh, and have it go back up a little bit so it's just not so the next president has some chance to really uh, restore our position in the world. But it is it is scary out there. Yeah, and one last question, and it kind of ties in all this foreign policy stuff. I've been fascinated by the debate over the movie American Sniper and how many people on the left just feel the need to make sure that America knows we hate this movie, we hate what it represents. You had a, uh, a correspondent for MSNBC say that uh, what what uh, Chris Kyle did was go on a killing spree. And I'm, you know, I mean, <laughs> uh, I, I don't... I, I do about as much TV as you do, Bill, and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, would I ever describe an American soldier as going on a killing spree? And I just think that all these things together, the lackadaisical attitude towards the advance of the bad guys, the animosity towards Israel, and then this almost you know, irrational loathing of at least a figure in the U.S. military. I think a lot of people see him as a stand-in for the U.S. military, which is why the film has grossed $200 million in January. I, I wonder if this is just a, a problem in the left's gene code that they can't get around, that they really don't like uh, the U.S. military, and they really, truly are, at some level, pacifists who think that force is always wrong. Yeah, especially when it's used by Americans, and especially when maybe it's used effectively by American soldiers or Marines. No, I think you're absolutely right. They're saying what they believe. The the, the more sophisticated politicians don't uh, don't quite say that, and some of them don't believe it. To be fair, but the real liberals, the real that that is where they are intellectually. They they don't like Israel. Uh, some of them really loathe Israel. Some of them just wish Israel would kind of recede and, and behave like other nations as they see it and give back all the land and not worry too much about then what kind of Palestinian state would be on their border and, and let Iran become a nuclear power and that'll work out fine with deterrence. I mean, the degree to which that is what they believe, and again, especially the degree of their loathing, I'd say two things, the American military and Israel. I think those are really the two things that is programmed into the genes of the left to really lash out at. And most of the sophisticated liberals restrain themselves or maybe have educated themselves out of that a little, but you do see it on MSNBC. You see it with even Howard Dean, who was actually you know, was a politician. It is not a, a foolish guy normally, but um, and what he said was kind of amazing about American snipers. So I'm cheered up by the cultural, mo- by the American sniper, by the, by the movie in a way, but also really by the you know, by the cultural moment it has come to embody, it does reassure me that the country is basically in the right place, even if a lot of our liberal elites aren't. Absolutely. Uh, uh, the left is going to find out America doesn't hate our military, America doesn't hate Israel, America hates the patriots. That's what I found out this week, Bill. No, Boy, I, I don't this know. they do, I, Bill, I'm telling you. political correctness. They have to pretend that, oh, my God, it's such a bad example for our no. children to have someone, you know, deflating footballs, allegedly, which, in fact, he probably didn't do. And anyway... You could have worse examples for our children. They hate the Patriots. They hate the fact that they're winners. They hate the fact that they go to the Super Bowl or they're in the playoffs all the time. They, I have found I'm a marginal Pats fan because I was there for eight years, and so I wore my sweatshirt today, Bill. And I'm telling, I got glares and angry. It was, but but here's my hope: the haters got to hate, but the players got to play. I think the Patriots will play well enough to win on Sunday. 
We'll discuss it Monday. We'll see. We'll see if we're right. I'm, I'm with you on that, and we're going to be eating crow, I suppose, on, on Monday uh, or we'll something. Cancel, we'll cancel the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Crystal, thanks so much for joining us here on the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check WeeklyStandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.